0: and prepare for a greater tomorrow. Hello everyone, this is Natalina, the CEO and the founder of Rise Up For You. I hope you're doing incredible and your week is going well so far. Today we have an incredible episode with PJ Dixon. This episode is probably one of the best episodes I've recorded thus far. It is so in tune with everything and all the work that I do and that Rise Up For You does. I really think that it's going to resonate with you guys. So PJ's mission in life is quite simple. Love deeply and teach others to do the same. His commitment to love has earned him the title of Love Guru, which causes him to smile and inspires him to live love and share more fully every day. PJ is a lifelong motivational speaker, a spiritual teacher, and relationship coach. He's also the creator of Learning to Love, a four step program designed to help people reconnect with their heart and learn to love themselves, their lives, and others more completely. Despite his disability, which we'll talk more about within the episode, which was expected to take his life by seven, he chose to live and live well. So 40 years later, PJ's a 10th degree black belt, martial arts and women's self-defense instructor, meditation teacher, former wheelchair athlete, adventure seeker, watercolorist, author, and in the National Hall of Fame for people with disabilities. PJ loves his life and lives every day to inspire others to live theirs. Okay, do I need to say anything more? This episode is going to knock your socks off. It's incredible. You're probably going to listen to it more than once. So rise up for you and enjoy this episode. Well, PJ, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so honored to have you on the show. I always like to start off by letting the audience get to know our guest. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do?
1: Absolutely. You know, I'm honored to be here on Rise Up For You because I really think that there is a real true need in the world to reclaim femininity. And I feel like for myself, I was raised by a single mom largely and because of that i've really developed an appreciation and a love and a real desire to protect and encourage femininity because as a man i feel like i value and benefit from that feminine nature and as a man i feel like i could provide this space and protect something that i find to be so sacred so where does that all come from well net if it's okay i just want to drop a little bit spiritual on you for a moment when i was a little kid I was always very spiritual. Now, I didn't go to church. I didn't go to synagogue. I wasn't in the temple or the mosque or anything like that. My mom had a healthy sense of her own religion. And my dad, even though he wasn't around very much, he you know, had grown up in church too, I guess. But no one ever really talked to me about it. And so when I was a little kid, I was talking to my mom about God. I was talking about my little neighbor friends about God. And then as I got older... And went to college, I realized that I could study religions, and so I got a degree in international studies with a concentration in religions and cultures. Absolutely fascinating to me because this is my core. Like this is who I am. I've always been about love. I've always been about – generosity and nurturing and kindness and really making sure that people feel connected to to other people and valued and important and then when I moved out to Arizona in October of 1997 I moved out here to study with my spiritual teacher and she said go home tonight and pray ask what are you meant to do and after you do that then just listen and so Netta, I did, I said, God, you know, I moved all the way out to Arizona. I don't have any money and I'm sleeping on somebody's floor that I just met. And can you please give me some direction? And I just opened up and sat in meditation and this golden pillar of light came through the ceiling that uh, hit me in the top of the head, filled me completely up. And I hadn't heard one word, love. And in that moment, I realized that it didn't matter what I did. It mattered that whatever I did, that I loved. Now, look, I've been a motivational speaker since I was seven years old because I have a very rare form of muscular dystrophy that was expected to take my life at seven. I was only expected to live until I was seven. I turned 47 a week ago. I've lived 40 years longer than I was supposed to. And so I thought when I heard that love, I was like, oh, okay, well, it doesn't matter what I do as long as I love people. Well, that's always been my way, so it didn't matter. That was just easy. Well, in April of 98, I was walking down the street, and I was walking towards oncoming traffic on the sidewalk, and I saw an SUV coming out of a a restaurant, and I looked, and I didn't see any place for this SUV to come out into traffic, so I ran out in front of him, and he gunned it, and when he stepped on the gas, he hit me on my left side, threw me out into three lanes of oncoming traffic. I tucked and I rolled at time just quick enough to say, God, whatever happens, please just don't let him roll over my pelvis. The wheelchair crumpled underneath the SUV. The front driver's side wheel came to rest, literally leaning against my pelvis. I just knew that. In that moment, like all I could say was just don't let him roll over my pelvis. And he came to rest leaning against my pelvis another inch or two, and he would have crushed my pelvis. To take that story a little bit further, as soon as that happened, there was an EMT team in the restaurant that saw everything that happened. They came running out. They took care of me, took me across the street, literally across the street to the hospital. I wasn't meant to die that day. I was just meant to suffer. and I was meant to get knocked into alignment. Ironically, I say knocked into alignment because I had to get knocked out of alignment to get back into alignment. So I was in pain for about four months and no doctor, no physical therapist. No one could figure out what was actually causing my pain and my suffering until finally my physical therapist finally said, look – we're four months into this and I cannot find what's wrong with you. I've talked to all of my mentors. I've read every book. I've looked at every article I can. He's like, there's only one thing left that I can think that it is that when you got hit and you landed, you must've knocked your pelvis bone out of place. And I was like, I don't know. I mean, what? What are we going to do? So he palpated my pelvis. Sure enough, my pelvis bone had been knocked out of place. He popped it back into place. Ah! Excruciating pain. It was so painful. And as soon as he popped it back into place and the pain was gone, I immediately, and this is the whole crux of my story, I immediately realized that I had appreciation for what I had back. And I had been loathing what I had lost. And I had been resisting all the pain. And the moment that the pain was gone, all of a sudden I realized, wow, I really appreciate this life that I have. And in that moment, I started to realize over the next few months that it wasn't about me loving other people as much as it was about me learning to love myself. And then as I grew through my motivational speaking in that capacity, I also learned that it wasn't just about me learning to love myself Netta. It's about me helping women learn to love themselves, and that's how I've moved into what I do now. You know, I've had a great life despite my disability, you know, and being 75 or 80 pounds in a wheelchair, a manual wheelchair that no doctor said I'd ever be able to move in, that I'd have to have an electric wheelchair. You know, I'm I'm in great shape, like... I eat really well. I'm ninety-five percent raw vegan because I I feel healthy when I eat like that and light. Um, I'm energetic, I'm lively, I've turned forty seven, I feel like I'm twenty-five, you know. Um, I jump out of planes, indoor skydiving, water skiing, snow skiing, I'll be surfing by the end of this summer. You know, I've had an amazing life. I've tenth degree black belt, been to Japan probably twelve times. I've had an outstanding life and if you want to know a little bit about me, that's probably way more than you expected. But, you know, it just it's who I am. Like, I don't quit. I don't know how to quit. Despite my disability, despite the fact that I can't lift my own arms without flinging my body um, and that I'm super-duper skinny and I've got a crazy curvature in my spine, I don't stop. And why? Because if I quit, then I give you and your audience the unspoken um, right and approval that it's okay that they quit. And if you're a mother, a sister, a wife, a friend, a cousin, a neighbor, a concerned citizen, you can't quit. Because if you quit, then you tell other people it's okay that they quit.
0: I mean, that's such a fascinating story, PJ, and it's amazing. And there's so much that you've learned from everything. I mean, that's the purpose of life, right? That all, our journey takes us slowly and slowly and slowly to get where we are today. Talk with us a little bit about what you're doing today and what that looks like. Your specific niche is working with women. So I'd really <laughs> like to dive into why particularly you felt the need to go that way, as opposed, obviously, to going you know to the need of the male side. So very interested in both of those.
1: Let me start with the... Um Why I work with women, not men. Because women get me. They understand love. They want to love. They want to nurture. It's in their nature. Men don't speak my language. Ironically, lately, I've had several men come to me and start to coach under me because when they've come to me, they don't know what they want. But what we've discovered is every single one of them wants to reclaim his masculinity. And I feel that when I work with women, very specifically in a coaching role, either one-on-one or group coaching, because – women speak my language they get it they want to love they want to be nurtured they want to have a space provided for them to be able to fall into their naturalness their natural grace and that state of femininity and so i still speak nationwide i still do one-on-one coaching and i'm also doing some group coaching both in person as well as across the internet
0: That's awesome. So tell me a little bit, because this is very fascinating and and I like to dive into it. In regard to the males, what do you think is blocking them there? And do you ever think that there will be a time where you work with males to help them better understand females?
1: Oh, yes, absolutely. That I feel like I'm being called that direction unquestionably right now and in a really, really strong way. You know, my whole life, uh, being raised largely by a single mom, I've been very connected to my my soft side, my feminine side, right? And I've never been afraid of that. I've never been worried about that. Like, to be honest, I'm a crier, you know, and I love that part of me because that just means that my heart gets touched so deeply. I love that part of myself. My grandfather was a crier too, and, you know, I think that that's one of the reasons that, And he was very masculine, and I think that's one of the things that allows me to be very comfortable with who I am. Will I work with men? I already am working with men in that direction. and I work with couples periodically, and I have for a number of years, to help them start to speak each other's language because men and women don't speak the same language. And I absolutely want to make sure that the work that I do with men is in support of their masculinity so that they can protect and provide the space for the women in their lives, whether it's their sister, their mother, or their lover to be in their feminine so that they know that they can naturally be who they really are. One of the most beautiful things netta for me is when a man walks up behind a woman and he embraces her from behind. And of course she knows that he's coming up behind her. Their friends, their boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, even fathers and daughters. It doesn't even matter when there's a man, a good Man who walks up behind a woman and that woman trusts that man and he embraces her from behind. Women will often, their head will often go back, their eyes will close, they'll take a deep breath and they'll exhale and they exhale and they sigh into their naturalness. They exhale and sigh into that state of femininity. They exhale and sigh into that state of grace because they know that someone is in that moment saying, Hey, I've got your back. And for me, if I really love and value femininity like I just told you I do, then working with men is inevitable in my future because we need... Good men in the world. We've got a lot of women who are playing both roles, the masculine and the feminine. And that's because we've got a lot of men who aren't playing the masculine. And a lot of these men, you know, to try and keep their women happy and appease their women, they say things like, oh, I don't care, babe, whatever you want. I don't care. What do you want? Well, I don't care where we go to eat, whatever you want. I don't care what movie we see, whatever you want. I don't care what, what color we paint the house, whatever you want. Dude, seriously, like if there's any guys listening, women hate that. They're asking you because they legitimately want a conversation. They want you to be their partner. They want you to be connected with them. They want you to share your intimacy with them. They want you to open up and share the thing that's the scariest in the world to you, which is being vulnerable emotionally. Share who you are and what you really want. And women really value and appreciate that. doesn't necessarily mean they're going to agree. They don't have to agree, but they do want your perspective and your opinion. And when you don't give it... It becomes, after a while, very frustrating for women and very irritating. And at some point and in some place in a woman's head, she says, I don't need you. If you can't be my partner, if you can't communicate with me, if you don't have an opinion, what do I need you for? I don't need you for anything. And therein lies the breakdown of the relationships because the man is no longer sharing or giving or contributing, and that's a problem.
0: I think that you've touched on such an important point because – You know, naturally, I think that men and women need to find a balance, both in masculinity and in their femininity. And that's why I think it's so important that we do need the men and the males to be masculine because we don't necessarily want that when we're in a relationship because we do that in our work, right? We do that in our career. There's so many other elements. I know personally for me where a little bit of my masculine side comes out. And when it comes to building a relationship with a man, I want the man to now bring in that masculinity so that I can step back into the feminine side of myself.
1: And let me ask you a question. When you are in a relationship of any kind where there is a man in your life who is masculine and masculine in a way that's that you feel safe in his presence? Do you feel more natural and more feminine? Do you feel more in your body and more in your own spirit?
0: I'll be honest with you. I do 100% when there's a good balance. And the reason why I say that is because there's sometimes where males will take that masculinity component to an extreme, right? They don't have that balance mm-hmm. where then it could also feel very threatening as a female because then you feel like you might be losing a little bit of your identity. So it's really important for me personally to be with a male that has the masculine side, but then also can be in touch with the feminine side of showing love and emotion.
1: There's a huge difference, I concur, absolutely, between just being excessively and aggressively masculine correct, and being a good man. Right. Being a good man means I'm in touch with my masculinity, but I'm also comfortable enough and courageous enough to share the part of me that a woman can nurture and protect, which is that emotional side of myself.
0: hundred percent, and that's why I initially asked the question about working with males because I think that's so important with males, and I do come from a family of all men, and I'm hundred percent Middle Eastern. So sometimes that concept doesn't exist just because culturally there's a lot of things there. So that's why I wanted to specifically ask that question, because I think it's really important. And I do think that as a society, men are starting to feel more comfortable and more in touch with the feminine side to be able to just love and express a little bit more.
1: When I was a kid, there was a, a picture of an Apache warrior on my wall, and it was a quote that they said was attributed to Apaches, and I've... I don't know if that's the case or not. I've since seen that it's attributed to somebody else. But the quote says this. There's nothing so strong as gentleness. and Nothing so gentle has real strength. And for me, that has always stuck with me since I was a kid. I would read it over and over and over again, just trying to really understand it as a boy. Like, what does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? Right? So let me say it again. There's nothing so strong as gentleness and nothing so gentle as real strength, right? A truly strong, good man who picks up his child or embraces his wife and or his lover, his partner, right? When he's physically really strong, but his touch is so soft, oh my God, is there nothing more sexy? Is there nothing more beautiful than when you feel comfortable and safe in his presence and he provides the space for you to be you? I love that. I just read something recently that said, Um, His love for her was stronger than her demons, you know, because sometimes women have meltdowns. They sometimes have bad days and they just need to let it all out. And if they can let it all out and their man doesn't waver or back down or fight back and he just provides the space for her, he's a good man. He may not be your man, but he's a good man, at least for you in that moment.
0: So let's dive back a little bit to your work with women. Yes. Tell us what that looks like.
1: I created a program called Learning to Love, and I say that it's a four-step program, but really there's a a fifth component to it. And the four steps of learning to love are very simple. It's becoming open and receptive because we have so much chaos in our mind and so much um, self-doubt and so much worry about our own self-worth that we've got to become open and receptive. And so I help women learn to silence that mental chatter, um, or at least still it and know when it's starting to come. Einstein said, nothing changes until someone Something moves. And he's right from a physical world, but from a spiritual place. And love for me is a spiritual place. Yeah, we could describe it biochemically, but for me, the essence of love comes from a spiritual place. And so I say nothing changes until you become still. When you become deeply and profoundly still, Everything changes for you. So I help women learn to silence that mental chatter, that self-doubt, that self-abuse, that self-loathing, that um, not-so-quiet voice in the back of your mind that seems to overcome you. And then the second stage is awareness. Because when you have this sense of awareness, all of a sudden you start to drink in and observe things that maybe you didn't see before, you didn't smell before, you didn't taste before. So we're starting to turn on your sensuality, your sensual pleasures, right? And then there's a third stage, which is appreciation. And the fourth stage is very similar. It's gratitude. Appreciation is taking something in and recognizing whether internally you like it, you appreciate it, you value it, or you don't like it. You don't appreciate it. You don't understand it. You don't want it in your life. And when you, have so much appreciation for something that's like you're just inside you're like oh god I like that so much I like that so much I like that so much it just fills you up so much that as soon as it fills you up and it spills out the moment it spills out it becomes gratitude and so as soon as it becomes gratitude um, that's when you start to really begin to taste love because gratitude is something that's expressed outwards. Appreciation, appreciation is expressed internally and gratitude is something that exudes out from you. And it's a graciousness. It's, it, is, it is an appreciation of something outside of you that brought something into you or shared with you. And when you have that gratitude, just like with appreciation, when you fill up with appreciation, it spills over and it spills out actually into gratitude and then when you have so much gratitude it just naturally morphs and becomes love which is my fifth stage it's a full circle right when you have that state of love we go back to the openness and receptivity becoming even more open and even more receptive psychologically emotionally physically spiritually the more open we become the more aware we are of what's out there the more aware we are the more we learn what we appreciate and don't appreciate the more gratitude the more love
0: this is amazing, and I love everything that you're saying this far. And as you know, I also I also work with women to overcome self-doubt. What is the first thing that you do with your women? And it's probably the most difficult. I know for me it is. What's that first step to really get them to open up and to be self-aware and to listen to themselves?
1: The first thing I do is I listen to them. And when I listen to them, then they start to feel safe. When they start to feel safe and I know that they're safe, then they'll start to listen to themselves because they'll trust me. And when they trust me, that's the value of me being a man working with women is when I help them feel safe, then they can start to go and explore and trust themselves. One of the first things that I like to do with women is I like to get them talking to themselves in the mirror. Because when you start to talk to yourself in the mirror, I teach you to have a conversation between your conscious mind and your subconscious mind. And when the subconscious mind – see, I say this. Think your thoughts. Don't let your thoughts think you. Think your thoughts. Don't let your thoughts think you. Because what happens is so many times our subconscious mind is running rampant and out of control, right? And when it's running rampant and out of control, we're not thinking our thoughts. It's like it's just bringing crap up. And it's repeating stuff and it's reliving things. And it's that process of not controlling our own mind that creates our own suffering. And so by having a conversation with our conscious and our subconscious mind or between our conscious and our subconscious mind, what happens is the conscious mind or the subconscious mind is given a voice because the conscious mind says, hey, let's talk this out and figure out what's going on. Everybody thinks that the subconscious mind is just this mental chatter that stops you from connecting with yourself. And it's this ego mind and it won't stop. But the problem is it's not a problem it is a wonderful valuable tool that's saying hey as your subconscious mind I literally do exactly what your conscious what you the conscious mind telling me to do if you say remember something I'm going remember say remember something if you say forget something I'm going to forget something or I'm going to let it go but you have to mean it and I have to believe it and so when you give a voice to your subconscious mind by talking to yourself in the mirror and I say get close netta get close like when I do it and I do this and this is one of the things that I've done since I was a kid, my mom used to say, PJ, you don't need toys. You just need a mirror. I would talk to myself in the mirror. I would look at my own eyes. I would look at my own nose, my mouth, my ears. I look at the pores of my skin. I would move my jaw. I'd move my hair. You know, I would just see like, what is this thing I'm looking at in the mirror? So I started from a purely physical level, but I'm taking women immediately to a conversation between their subconscious and their conscious mind, because once the subconscious mind gets out what it's bothering it or what it's been carrying and the conscious mind comes to a final resolve and says oh that's what that is that's how i feel about that that's what that means to me okay cool now i get it the subconscious mind goes hey do i need to remember this anymore the conscious mind says no it's cool it's cool like we don't have to worry about this anymore like i understand it now and I'm comfortable with it. So what happens, Neta, is immediately the subconscious mind releases that. And when you release that, you create more space in your conscious mind for stillness, for quietness, for a sense of peace. This is really, really important because you know as well as I do, anytime you've ever been in any kind of relationship where you had to have a conversation that may not have been super comfortable, as long as you get through it and you come to a happy resolve, it doesn't come up again. Right. But if I don't feel like it's finished or you don't feel like it's finished in two months or three months or three years from now, it's going to come up again. I'm going to be like, dude, I thought we covered this. I thought we had to resolve. It wasn't resolved in your mind yet. Just like if it's not resolved in your subconscious mind, it's going to continue to bring it up until your conscious mind says, hey, you know what? Obviously, this is something that's bothering you. Let's have a conversation about it. Let's figure it out. Once you come to that resolve, you create this sense of beautiful stillness and a sense of peace within you about who you are and your own value and that you're not a bad person, that you're a beautiful, wonderful, valuable, worthwhile woman. And it becomes much easier for you to begin to love yourself. Often the women that I work with, we don't even have to get through stage four because they, before they already start to love themselves and like themselves, we're often, we're moving into the awareness stage and they're like oh my god you've done so much for me i love myself already so much and it's just so great i mean you can hear my smile right now right i get all tingly and excited about it because i'm just so blessed and so fortunate to be able to work with the women that i work with and honestly to work with the men that i'm now working with too it's it's a fascinating experience for me from motivational speaking um, I used to say, oh, I never want to be a coach. That's no, I'm a motivational speaker. I'm not a coach. Coach is just some new term that everybody uses. And I'm like one of the originals, you know, because I've been doing it for 40 years. And then I just realized one day it's a different thing. Motivational speaking is me stepping up on stage and really like expanding your mind. And when we coach together, it's us being a partner. We're partnership, and it's us exploring and being creative together and finding what works best for you as an individual woman instead of me just saying, hey, here's this flat platform. Let's work with you.
0: A hundred percent. And I completely agree with everything that you just said. And I'm happy that you said it actually, because there's too many of us that are ignoring that feeling inside of us. And I think that this is something that's really difficult in society. There's a lot of us that push it down to the bottom, push it down to the bottom, push it down to the bottom. I'm on the same track as you. I pull it out. Let's get it out so that you can get that poison out of your body and release everything out into the air and really get in touch and honor everything that you've been through as opposed to trying to push it down because then it never really goes away as you mentioned and then it shows up in your life without you realizing it and for a lot of people they don't realize it they don't know why they show up the way that they do or why they make the decisions they do or act the way that they do or say the things that they do and once they really begin to dive into everything that's built up inside it's like night and day. Mm. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's why I do that. That's it's why so I do so beautiful, that. isn't it? So I love that, and I honor that you do that. PJ, it's been such an amazing conversation thus far. I'd love to jump into our power section.
1: Let's do it, baby.
0: Can you tell us one book that you've read that's had a massive impact on your life that you would recommend to us?
1: Absolutely. You know what I'm going to do? A Shout out to my friend Shivani Singh. Shivani is a fascinating young woman. She was a 17-year-old scientist at NASA. And at some point, she just said, this isn't what I want to do, took off for India, and began to journal. And she wrote a book called Discover Your Dharma. There's also a, um, a CD that goes along with that, where she also wrote the music. And Discover Your Dharma is about... 10 different journaling techniques and the CD are 10 different songs that correspond to that and the reason I wanted to bring this up is because I thought about another book when when you invited me to be on here and I thought, you know what? This is the best book for women because it gives you a chance to become intimate with who you really are. And that's crucial for you to really go deep with yourself. And so I would say Discover Your Dharma by Shivani Singh. It is when you go to Amazon. I just want to tell you this. When you go to Amazon, it was it's going to tell you that it's out of print. However, if you look at the little buttons below it that say new and used – There are still some available. So if you are interested in journaling, now is the time to get this book, Discover Your Dharma by Shivani Singh.
0: Thank you so much. And what's one thing that you've accomplished that you're proud of thus far?
1: Oh, you know what? To be honest, one of the things that I'm the most proud of is that I don't quit. I literally was told I was only going to live until I was seven. I turned 47 eight days ago on May 1st. I still push my own wheelchair despite not being able to lift my own arms. I don't quit. I don't know how to quit. And that's one of the things that I'm the most proud of is my fortitude, my drive, my perseverance. You know, my mom always said when I was a boy, she's like, I used to say, I can't. And she'd say, can't doesn't live here. And I would say, but I can. And she's like, can't never did anything she's like keep trying keep trying keep trying you know and it's that persistence even when it's painful even when it's scary even when it's sad even when i have to lean on anger to become more physically strong or more motivated or more driven or care less about what it's going to feel like or what it's going to look like it's that unwillingness to quit that i'm really the most proud of Because when I have lived this way in such a remarkable, phenomenal, outstanding, wonderful, pleasure-filled life, then I'm able to help other people to be able to live in the same way. The happier you are, the more happiness you can share. You can't share what you don't have. If you don't have happiness, it's gonna be really hard for you to share happiness.
0: And are there any routines that you have that help you get a positive rise in your life? Maybe a morning routine, something that you do every day?
1: I meditate every day. Usually for an hour a day Sometimes more Sometimes a little bit less And I do several different kinds of meditation I have a masculine meditation That really just kind of downloaded to me recently In my own normal meditation That I usually share with men Around the country right now Which is fascinatingly exciting It's very, very cool I'm really excited about it But I also meditate on love every day On self-love and loving others Every single day And if I don't talk to the mirror every day I talk to the mirror like every other day And sometimes the conversation are two minutes long and sometimes the conversations are two hours long it just depends on what the you know what needs to come out those are the two things that i lean on the most and actually the journaling you know like i mentioned discovery dharma the reason that that book is so important to me is because um it really helped me get beyond some things that i thought that i was beyond and discovered some pieces of me that may have been um blocking my growth and so i probably journal three four times a week at this point
0: Before we ask the last question, is there anything that we didn't get a chance to talk about? Maybe one last piece of golden nugget that you'd like to share with us.
1: Yeah, you know what? I want to give you three tips, okay? And I'm going to expand on them slightly. There are three things that I think women should really focus on, okay? And ladies, this is coming from the deepest part of my soul. And in fact, I meditated on it this morning and I said, okay, God, and you don't have to believe in God. This is just the way I speak, okay? I just said, okay, What is it that I want to share with these women? Or what is it that you want me to share with these women? And three words immediately came to me. Intimacy, honesty, sensuality. Intimacy is getting to know yourself much more deeply through the mirror talk, through the journaling, through the meditation, right? Um, nurturing yourself when you nurture yourself you take time for yourself you take that bath you go for a hike you go to the bookstore you just go and drink a cup of coffee with a girlfriend you know you go somewhere and sit in the sun and read a book where nobody can find you and you turn off your phone whatever it is that nurtures you do this because this creates an intimacy with yourself a deeper connection with who you are and when you do that now you can start to begin to hear that calling inside of your soul that says hey this is who I am this is what I want this is what I believe in and so that's when we move into honesty, right? You start to be honest with who you are about what you like, what you don't like, what you're willing to do, what you're not willing to do, what you believe in, what you don't believe in, what you, um, whether or not you want to hang out or whether or not you don't want to hang out. You start saying, you know what? I'm just going to be honest. I don't want to do that. Or I'm going to be honest. I really do want to do this. And it's not always easy. But the moment you start to do it and you and act a little bit of courage, it becomes immediately easier the very next time and easier and easier and easier. And pretty soon people start to really value your honesty because Most people aren't going to be 100% honest with them. And the more honest you are with yourself, the more – and the more intimate you are with yourself, the more gently honest you can be with other people. Because when you're intimate with yourself, there's a softness that you have for yourself that carries over in your honesty and that softness with other people. So you can always be honest without being hurtful. And then the third is sensuality. Chase down your bliss. Love yourself taste the foods, smell the smells, feel the sensations on your skin. My sister won't buy anything, any clothing that she doesn't touch first. I have another friend that's the same way. They both walk around the rack. They don't even have to have their eyes open. Walk around the rack, feel, 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 feel. Oh, that feels good. Let me look at it. Do I like the style? Okay, cool. Now does it fit? Can I find the colors that I want? If it doesn't feel good to her, she won't use it. So ladies, this is really important that you are honest with your own sensuality, that you explore your sensuality. And I don't necessarily mean your sexuality, although that's in there too. I'm talking about tastes and smells and textures and flavors and feelings, and really just follow that follow that bliss follow that sensuality follow that pleasure and when you do all of a sudden everything starts to really open up for you because when you're filled with pleasure you become more intimate with yourself you become more courageously honest and you become more sensual and what happens is what's really going on is you're really starting to then nurture feed support empower and liberate your own femininity and when you are in your feminine and that femininity exudes from you no matter what you look like and i mean this whole heartedly, 100%. I have two women that I know who are not what you would see as classically beautiful, but every single man I know who knows them is very attracted to them, sexually and physically, um, and finds them beautiful. Why? Because they're so deeply connected to their feminine. So ladies, if there's anything I can leave you with, really and truly embrace value, connect with your feminine, because... We need it. The world is waiting for that. The Western world will be saved by the, or the world will be saved by the Western woman according to His Holiness the Dalai Lama. He said this and what I believe he meant was Western women are assertive, but they're also still feminine. It's okay to connect with that feminine. Love yourself so that you can continue to love others and make the world a better place.
0: Mm. Thank you so much, PJ. Mm -hmm. You've been incredible today. How do we stay connected to you and how do we support you? First,
1: let's look at my website, pjswisdom.com. That's pjswisdom.com, pjswisdom.com. That just gives you a little bit more about me so that you feel comfortable because it's important that women feel safe. Secondly... It's really easiest just to email me. I'm accessible. I want to talk to people. I want to connect with people. If there's something you need, questions you have, let's get on a one-on-one call. Just email me, pj at pjswisdom.com. I'm not so big that I don't have time for you. It's really, really important for me that you realize you're really, really important. And I want you to have access to me, pj at pjswisdom.com. If I don't get back with you immediately, it may mean I'm out of the country, but I will get back with you. And if you don't hear from me, email me again, because I want to hear from you. And if you want to talk more, say, hey, how can we get on a call together? Or if you just want to email, do it. I'm easy. Easy like Sunday morning, baby.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you again so much. Have an incredible day.
1: Thanks, Neta. I love you a ton. You're amazing.
0: I hope you enjoyed that podcast episode. If so, please share it with your friends and your family. You can post it on social media and just help us spread the word. We would really, really appreciate it. And if you haven't already, you can head over to iTunes, subscribe to the podcast, and let us know how we're doing. You can leave us a review and a rating of the podcast because we would love to know how we're doing and we want your help to be better. Plus, this really is one of the best ways to support our podcast, Rise Up For You. You can also find this on SoundCloud, Podcast Directory, Blueberry. And of course, if you head over to our website, www.riseupforyou.com, you can check out all of the show notes and listen to the podcast on the website. Thank you again for tuning in to Rise Up For You. Be better today than yesterday and prepare for a greater tomorrow.